And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 99th episode, recorded on Wednesday, January 17th, 2024, as we count down to our 100th episode. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm joined by a special guest, Brian Tonsoni of Delphi Bracketology and Assembly Call. Today, we will be breaking down your number 16-ranked Indiana Hoosiers 85-62 victory over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. That makes seven straight wins over the Golden Gophers, a record for the program. But we're going to start this show the way we do with every show, and that's our banner moment, our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And today, I'm going to go to Mackenzie Holmes. And there was a lot of things you maybe could have picked from, but Mackenzie Holmes with her second 30-plus point game of the season and a season high tonight, 32, when Coach Morin cleared the bench and and took the stars out with about a minute and a half. I was kind of wondering what her career high was, but she had a season high 32 points banner moment to Mackenzie Holmes for that tonight and again just another all-around good effort by the lady by the Hoosiers uh that brings their record to 15 and 2 overall 6 and 1 in the Big Ten and our banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast Homefield is constantly releasing new schools such as today with the University of Nevada or updating their products for schools in the existing line you are bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear Not only do you get quality apparel, but you are supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME23, that's H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your first order. Your entire first order, that's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, so we're going to throw it over to Coach to get his initial thoughts about the game tonight. Well, thanks, uh, Coach. And by the way, first of all, Coach, before you get going, let me welcome you to the podcast. We've been wanting (laughs) to get you on for a while, but we're really glad to have you here, but give you a good introduction here and and welcome you to the podcast. Yeah, and and thanks to to you and Kathy for getting this started. And and Sunday's a big day for you guys with the 100th show. We just want to First of all, say thank you. It's an honor to to be asked to be on the show, and and boy, what an enjoyable night I had taking all these notes and everything uh, on a, a game that was uh, well played and and, and well executed uh, for the most part. I, I thought tonight uh, Indiana really needed that bounce back after Iowa, and I thought they came out offensively really locked in. We'll talk a little bit about how they had really great spurts defensively and a, a couple of lulls defensively that kept Minnesota kind of close uh, throughout the game, and I'm sure Coach Morin will want to fix those things. But I was really impressed with the overall play of the Indiana Hoosiers. Everyone seems to be doing their role. They seem to be very connected and and enjoy playing together, share the basketball, uh, and sometimes almost shared it too much with some some bad uh, passes uh, at at times. But I thought, man, Sidney Parrish had a great first quarter. And I know we can talk about her three threes in the first quarter, but I loved her post pass uh, to to McKenzie. Uh, it was really quick, great anticipation, and, and then Scalia had uh, had a great second quarter. And when you can have multiple attacks, and I haven't even mentioned thirty two points uh, for, from Holmes. 
So it, just a balanced attack. Uh, from Coach Morin's uh, perspective, and we were talking before we got on the air, just a lot of really good movement. Some screen-to-screener action inside I call Denver action. Some side screen-to-screener <clears throat> into double ball screens. I mean, they're moving and cutting on, and and putting the defense at real tough positions and giving all of their offensive players uh, in position to succeed, which I think is what a good coach does. And, and boy, was that enjoyable tonight to watch <clears throat> these ladies in detail. I've watched them before, but I've had multiple screens on. Tonight I was I was had it real close on the computer, and I was taking all these notes. Just really good stuff from uh, Terry Morin uh, and the Lady Hoosiers. And so, Coach, let's go ahead and use that, and we'll move into what we call here on Doing the Work, Pivotal Plays. And I'll kind of let you go first, and we kind of just kind of make this. You can pick anything you really want, but we do kind of, you know, kind of go from beginning to end. But if you want to jump to a play at the end that you thought or a segment, that's fine. But we just kind of generally, you know, talk about key, you know, the kind of the key moments, meaningful moments. We call it pivotal plays here at Doing the Work. Yeah, I, I wrote down a lot of them in the first half and, and not as many in the second half because I think it was just about maintaining. Uh, and then I do that too. I don't know about you when you're on a show. Really detailed first half, try to see the flow. And then the second half, you're mentally getting ready for, for what approach you're going to take on the show. But there were so many good things that, that I, I wrote down. The sharing of the basketball. Parrish's first three was a kick out. And I think that set the tone. I think Holmes was double teamed or someone was trying to dig and kicked out and, and when she has her 10 toes towards the line, uh, the only I think she was three of five early. Mm. And the one, she was uh, come off a back screen, a step out, and she faded. But, boy, that first one, she had her toes on the line and was ready to shoot and knocked it down. And that got Indiana going early. Uh, there there was just so many uh, good things there in that first quarter. Um, I, I thought maybe a pivotal play, too, uh, that I'll talk about is Holmes steal full length court drive mm. for two at the 307 mark uh, of the first quarter. It was back and forth, back and forth. Minnesota was doing some things, and you know that's that part of the game where you're feeling out. And I thought uh, they adjusted a little bit of their post defense. Uh, Holmes was playing behind the big center early, and then she went to a side front. And and I think the first time the side front, she got that ball tipped out in the middle of the lane and was able to gather the ball and go in and score. So I think that was probably um, the most pivotal play. And that was followed by the great post feed at, at uh, 222 where there was some action and really the ball came back to Sydney and it was, it was at the right time. She anticipated and knew uh, that McKenzie was going to post and didn't stare down the post, didn't let the defense get around McKenzie. But as soon as she caught, she – saw her eyes on the post and threw it in without hesitation. She said, boom, boom. And then McKenzie went to work and, and scored. So those two plays back-to-back got a 23-18 to 18, uh, lead in the first quarter. Those would have been my pivotal plays of that first quarter. And Coach, I want to pick your brain here a little bit. You and I both have been in, you know, done, done this for a while. But you know, it's one thing to get a player like Mackenzie Holmes open. It's also finding getting at the ball to her at the right time, the right moment. Right. And I think, and, and and watching them, I think they all do a decent job. Whether it's Sarah or or even Yarden, but I think Sydney does really the best job of getting Mackenzie the ball at the right moment where she she can make a quick decision about what she's going to do. Did you feel that way watching the game tonight? Yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought Sydney. I mean, I you know when we get down to play her the game and all that kind of stuff, who do you pick? I right. think there there were just outstanding players, and then the players who didn't get stats did a lot of good things. Uh, but I thought I, I thought Parrish was a good job of understanding where the ball needed to go. 
uh, when she wasn't shooting, when she wasn't scoring, when she was driving. She she underst- understands the game. Her basketball IQ, I think, at least from what I saw in, in, in the study today, you're the expert on, on what she's done over, over her career. But tonight, I thought she really displayed an understanding of where the ball needed to go, and especially on that on that post-up. But I think that's so important in post-feeds. Mm-hmm. you got to get the ball to the post when they're ready, uh, not, not a minute too late when the side – comes or the front or the help side and I thought that a couple times they tried to force feed the help side uh, to McKenzie and the ball got tipped away and, and wasn't in uh, a good position but coach what I like about uh, this Indiana team when they drive they know where that post is going to be so if, if if the person guarding McKenzie helps or shows a little bit they just do a little bit of a drop pass uh, on their drives and so that's not really a post feed in a post up but that is getting the post uh, a shot to score they do a really nice job of of finding and, McKenzie. And not only McKenzie, they do a nice job on the drive and and where they just find whoever it is on the backside. When the help comes and they yes. find the backside. And I give McKenzie a lot of credit because, Coach, you and I kind of talked to, have talked about these things before on other shows. But McKenzie does a nice job of finding the hole. Like when Sarah or Sydney drive baseline especially, she does a nice job. Almost that that um, that dribble, dri- dribble drive philosophy, if the, if the ball goes baseline, you kind of step up the lane you know, up toward the yes. mid post to find the that spot. Cut. And that's, yeah, yeah. I, I never quite gave it a name and I know there is a name, but I just know, you know, we always just told the kids, if you drive baseline, step up toward the mid post and yeah. present yourself. And, and McKenzie does a good job. I'm going to go a little earlier in the first quarter here. Minnesota got off to a kind of a quick start. It was, they hit back-to-back threes, but then that was kind of followed pretty quickly. And I thought this was important because Mac hit, followed, had a field goal and then Sydney hit the second her second three of the quarter there. And I thought that was important for coming off of a game at Iowa where the other team was making shots. And Minnesota got off to a fast start making shots as well. I thought that was important. And I, that idea of at least maintaining some contact there at home and and not feeling like you had to get a quick timeout or anything. So I really liked that segment as well. And, again, I thought that the, when they were in the first quarter um, – it was, you know, Mac and Sid really carried the the water in that first quarter, and then and I'm going to kind of lead you into this one. Second quarter yeah. was really the Stariscalia show. Two forty three uh, was the second of her big plays that really kind of put the game at that level where it was going to be hard for Minnesota when it started getting eight, nine, ten. But uh, Sarah pulls up and hits a transition three with no hesitation. Just love her right. game. What what confidence! The ball is kicked ahead and. and it just boom buried a three, and, and then she uh, also had a, a drive for a two. So she got five points quickly in a row. I have it written down at the two forty three, and that was a fourteen to two run uh, for Indiana. But those are those are backbreakers, and, and and you want to take good threes in college basketball. But when you hit them, they're momentum uh, threes. You talked about we talked about two in the first quarter uh, by Sydney to get us started, right? And, and then at a key spot when Minnesota got. Threes not only count for three, but they are a boost for the crowd at, at home. They're demoralizing if you hit them on the road. And, boy, that transition three uh, by Sarah there and then the follow-up fast break or the drive for two was, uh, I thought, a, a pivotal play there in the second quarter. Yeah, but that was her go, quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, she ended up with 14 points by herself in the quarter um, with that. And then I'm going to go a little bit earlier than that. I'm going to go about I mean, right pretty much at the exactly five minute marks when I had it written down in my notes. 
Um, nice job. They got out on the break. And McKenzie, again, a little bit in the post, was inside, gave, dumped it over to Lexi on the backside for – or excuse me, Lexi hit Mac on, on a backside for an assist, and Mac hit the layup, and that made the lead 35-25, which at that point was the biggest lead. It forced a Minnesota timeout, and that was that first part of that run, Coach. That was the initial part of, the, of a 7-0 run where Minnesota yep. – you know, I always like those. I always like when my teams – obviously, you like runs. I'm, I'm not trying to be Mr. Obvious here, but I always liked it when the run forced a timeout. Because that told you yes. they had, they felt like something was cooking. You know, the other team is like, hey, got to get a timeout, try to regroup. I always like that because then I could get my team in the huddle. And I would think you did the same thing. You think Coach Moore's going to, obviously, you got things you want to talk about, but just keep the metal, you know, keep the pedal to the metal. Keep going. Don't let up on them now. That was kind of things I would be saying when I had them in a timeout like that. Yeah, I have that written down too. I think uh, Sarah's transition three was right before that. She hit another three and a two to end the 14-2 run. So I, I misread my notes there. But right after that three, I have this written down, 35-25. Denver action into double middle ball screen with a baseline drive, and then they um, hit the dive. Yep. I mean, okay, so you and I, I mean, if you, that's just coaching terminology, <laughs> and that just makes me happy. I, I, wrote, I wrote that down. I stared at it at halftime. Like, that's movement. That is yeah. busting the defense. That is putting your players in good position. That is excellent coaching. That is excellent execution. I'm going to say that again because it's so much fun. They ran Denver action, which for all of you there, that's a, a cross screen to get your big to the low post and then a straight pin down down the middle of the lane to get your shooter up to a three. Well, they got it out to the shooter, but they, they defended that. So then all of a sudden, there's two ball screens at the top. So they went Denver action into a double middle ball screen, reversed the ball to the corner, got a baseline drive, and then that play that you were talking about, Coach, they hit the dive for two. Mm -hmm. When you execute like that, again, timeout, holy cow, uh, how can we guard all of this stuff, right? This is uh, – yeah, I had that written down, 35-25. So all you in the chat mob, you can go. You can go talk to people. Denver in the middle ball screen action with a baseline drive, hit the dive. Play this back. You will impress people at their next big dinner. Uh, that was good stuff right there. Yeah, and, and, and again, that's a, that's one of those. And and uh, uh, Brody, I will come back to your question. I saw it there in the workaholics. We'll come back to that in a little bit because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I think later on, I want to ask Coach what he thinks as well. Um, so I'll come back to Brody's question there a little bit later. Um, coach, I, you know, again, that, that, that kind of capped off, you know, uh, that second quarter with a, with a, um, the lead there at, um, trying to remember what the actually 47 to 28, 19 point lead. But then I thought third quarter, and sometimes this happens, you've been coaching, I've been coaching. I just thought at the beginning of the third quarter, Minnesota came out with a little more energy. And I'm not sure that we were quite ready for that. And also, as you said, we were talking, you said, you know, they made the decision. They made a little bit more dribble drive. They just took the ball one-on-one. -on -one. I think it took us a little while to get the adjustment to that. But I just thought that right. was kind of pivotal there. They came out with a little more energy, and it, they got it down to like 12. And then we were able to push it back up and get it to a nice, safe margin. Because, you know, a team makes a run like that early in the third quarter, you're starting to think, uh-oh. I mean, Minnesota, you know, is not, you know, they're, they're a legit team that can beat a lot of the teams, the big 10. And so you sure as heck don't want to give them life, but I like the way we responded. Yeah. I, I thought Minnesota made some nice adjustments and they have a couple nice uh, players in brawn and battle. And I thought they put the ball in those two players hands and said attack. And, and Minnesota then was not allowing late 
shot clock offense or, or reversals of the basketball. I, I thought they had a sense of urgency coming out of halftime. When you're down 18, you've got to get some shots up. And, and they thought they might have had an advantage off the bounce. And, and that's just, you know, uh, coaching in the Big Ten and, and coaching at that D1 level, no matter uh, men's, women's, whatever, you got some good ones out there. And I thought that was a really good adjustment by the Minnesota mm-hmm. coaching staff, and it did. You you have a trouble when you're up. You know you had a bad uh, run in Iowa and and the travel and the weather all that kind of played into that. Not making excuses for the ladies, but that was going to be a tough game mm-hmm. if you did everything normal. And then when you add some some things, so now you're coming back, and you really had a good half. There's a tendency for athletes to just you, you don't you don't stop playing hard, but there's just that tendency to to be a little less intense than you you were to build the 18 point lead, and and, and so that's where uh, that's where you got to call a timeout or during the TV timeout. But the thing that's so impressive is these ladies never let it get more than 12. They hit some big shots. They made some nice passes, and they stretched it back. You know, 12 back out to 16, and it got back down to 12. And you look at it, and yeah, Minnesota played Indiana somewhat even in that second half, but that's all Indiana needed to do. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I thought that was um, that was true. The third quarter was just kind of, you know, you wanted to see that momentum continue, but you rarely see four quarters of just all-out blitz um, in in the a game of basketball in Minnesota it was 13 and four or something like that. Uh, you know, not to the level of Indiana, obviously, but still not, not a, a, a cookie uh, game uh, again. So here you go with some more coaching terminology for me. And I don't have the time stamp on this one, but they ran an Iverson cut into a rip screen, screen the screener. Um, I, I guess I'm just happy seeing action. I, I you know, uh, <laughs> And we'll, we'll, we're here to talk about the women, so I, I won't bring in. A, but yeah. rip screen, Iverson cut, which is a, a guard cutting over two high posts, and then a back cut, and then the cutter who goes back cut goes diagonal back screens for Mac to get her in into the post, and then they screen the screener action. I thought that was really good, and I think that was a piece of that get back to a 15, 16-point thing. I forget who scored on that, but I thought that was – that was good stuff. Uh, Coach really had her uh, thumb on this team and this program by running really good stuff at the appropriate times. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to go to the 125 mark of the third quarter. Chloe Moore McNeil, who had not scored up to that point, got her first bucket on a nice assist by Mack, which pushed the lead back up, to, as we were talking about, 62-47. Because like Coach mentioned, we it got down to like 12. Then we pushed it back up to like a 16-17. They made another little brief run, got it back down around 12, and now we pushed it back up there up to 15. And that's when I really started to feel comfortable. When it got back to 15 there at 62-47, I was kind of like, Okay, I can feel a little comfortable, a little more comfortable about this. It's going to really be an uphill climb. We'd have to do a lot of things to help them. Um, but it wasn't so much about Chloe scoring per se. I, I just like to see her be more aggressive and 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 with that because I don't necessarily need Chloe to score fifteen to make me happy. I just want her to be even on a night like tonight where 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 um, Mac and and Sydney and Sarah were doing the bulk of the scoring. Obviously, I just want I just want Chloe to be ag- aggressive enough to keep the defense honest. Don't hey, don't forget yeah. about me, you know, because Yarden was str- Yarden was struggling. She finally did hit a three there in the fourth quarter. I think it was maybe the third quarter. I forgot to mark down the time on that, but you know she was struggling. So you, you know it, you had two you know two of your starting five that really weren't putting anything in the scoring column. And I just want to see McKenzie or excuse me Chloe be aggressive enough 
get you six, seven points and keep that defense on. Say, don't, don't forget about me. That's the reason I put that yeah. there. She did a whole, she did a lot of other things well tonight. I just want to see her keep being aggressive. Well, okay. And, and I'll let you have that because you, you've been watching this as closely uh, every game. Um, but I thought she was great tonight because she, she got the ball moving. Uh, she defended really well on Braun uh, in the first half. Like Braun had all her points in the second half. And when you keep a, a good player like that down that, and then you build that 18-point lead, that, that there's no spot in the stats for stops. You and I will nope. chart it and film it and talk about how great a player did in stopping the best player. Uh, but Mort McNeil did that in the first half. And then I thought a key play, and I don't know if this was in the fourth quarter or not, is when she drove and got fouled. Mm -hmm. Indiana, again, one of those little lulls when you're up 16, 17, they got back down and the ball was getting stuck a little bit more. The movement wasn't as great as it was most of the night. And then she late shot clock, I believe drove and got fouled and hit two. And it, I think it was down to 12. Again, you're, you're getting a little nervous. Like this could get a little tight and you don't want it to be. I thought she showed great composure in that late clock shot uh, or late shot clock situation. I don't know if that was third or fourth quarter, Co but I thought that's Eddie for a player like that. I think I don't. I didn't mark it down as Chloe, but it was. A, I believe that happened right about the. I'm, I have that down as the six forty eight mark where we actually took a timeout off that foul. I'm pretty sure it was off that foul that we took the timeout there. Yeah. If I have the right sequence right, I think you're right. She hit the. Free I thought throws. that was her. Yeah, she hit those free throws, and that kind of kick started basically an eighteen to seven finish. You know, it was a twelve yeah. point game when she was going to the line. She had to go to the line, shoot the two free throws, and then she got. You know, she and, and so that kick started basically an eighteen to seven run to finish the game. So yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought that was a big play. Again, that's all I'm, I'm looking for. And again, you're right. I'm probably nitpicking a little bit on a night where she, like I said, she did a lot of things well that didn't show up in the stat line in, in terms of that. But I just it, the one thing that always concerns me more. I guess more of my offensive side, even though people up here who knew me coach, I was like, man, that guy's always about defense. I'm still an offensive guy at heart. I just, I just want yeah. people to be honest, you know, uh, to keep defenses honest a little bit, you know, with that. Well, you um, know, I never nitpick on, on any shows that I'm on about any kind of basketball. <laughs> I, I never over, I never overanalyze or get too down or get too, I keep my emotions, you know, real even keel. Uh, so you know, I I, uh, I understand where you're coming from when you're passionate about something. You want I do I do think she needs to be, um, you know, aggressive enough. And what's nice about this team too is, you got your star uh, in, in Holmes, and then you got other players who can fill in night in and night out. Mm. And I think that's that's when you have a program that's won now consistently, and and you lose some good players like Berger, and then you fill back in with the same type of competitors. And, and every season you're going to have teams that are a little better or a little worse based on the new personnel. But I have a feeling that Moore McNeil will step up and score some points when the other players are struggling or being guarded in certain ways. She just seems like she's that type of tough uh, competitor. Yeah, she is definitely a leader on that team as well. She was the one after the Stanford game that basically told Coach Morin that they weren't tough enough. Where they, you know, out at Stanford yeah. when they didn't play well, we just we weren't tough enough. And I'm like, I like as a coach, I like a kid who will come to me, a player comes to me and says we weren't tough enough because that tells me that tells me all I really need to know about that player. Coach, before we move on to noble numbers, we had this from Brody and the workaholics, and I wanted to ask you a little bit, and I'm sure you saw it tonight, but we've talked about it on this show a couple times, Lexi Bargesser. Plays well, does a lot of nice things, handles the ball pretty well, plays pretty decent defensively. Her shot and especially her free throw form, what would you possibly do to try and fix that? And you can't fix it in January in the middle of the year, but what would you possibly yeah. do to try and fix that? 
Well, I don't know what she's shooting on the year, but boy, it's a tough decision to change a shot because if you take change a shot to a more technical uh, looking form, then you're going to have some regression at first. And it mm-hmm. takes an awful lot of work to break in. You know, uh, she's been probably shooting that way for most of her life from the free throw line. So you have a decision as, as a coach. Do you want her to put all that emphasis into fixing a shot or does she uh, handle the basketball, guard, rebound, do some other things, and anything we get shooting-wise is is extra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we'd want her to keep focusing on that and playing five-on-five five and doing some of those other things in, in personal development. Or do we want her spending all that time doing that form shooting right in front of the rim with the elbow you know, in? Yep. That's how you fix it. You just start right in front of the rim and get that elbow straightened out because that elbow looked way inverted from the baseline camera. Uh, you know, and her head's uh, and, t- and her, her head's kind of yeah, because you want everything in a straight line, right, Coach? Yep. You keep the ball straight, you, and you get the ball up, and you keep it straight, and you follow through, hold your follow through. But you know, we had this discussion as high school coaches: Do you change a kid who who comes to you as a freshman or sophomore, and he hits, you know, forty percent from threes, but he's shooting like old Jamal Wilkes? Mm. I, I had a five <laughs> five nine point guard who shot threes from here, yeah. and, and we said, you know what, the ball's going in. It takes a little time for him to get it off, but for us to change it, we might not have him back shooting until he's a junior or senior because it might take years. Yeah. So yeah, that that caught my eye when I saw it on on, on the camera. I was like, whoa, that that that's a real funky looking shot. Uh, but there's a lot more than you can fix it. Uh, but it takes it takes a long time and a, and a lot of practice, and then you just got to determine is the value of that young lady. Yeah more important doing other things in the summer and weightlifting and doing all those things than fixing that shot. Um, and and maybe if the goals are to go play in Europe or do something else, you're going to need to fix it. Then you do put, put in that time. But, uh, yeah, that, that shot, uh, just groove it and make the shots even with the crazy form. Right. I I think what we compared it to a little, uh, uh, several episodes ago when we first kind of noticed it was, um, I think it was Stan Robinson that was the IU player who start who who tried even switching left-handed to shoot you know yeah. shoot left-handed and then went back to right-handed and I think it was Stan Robinson I can't remember for sure if it was Stan or somebody else that now that I'm thinking about it but you know it, it, you're right though when you it's hard it's hard it, to do in season. Uh, and you can't do it in it's, season. It's hard to do. It. You can't. You, it's got to be off season. But I just think it's. I'm. I, I tend to agree with you. It's just one of those. You got to make it the best it is with the form she has. Right. Because I, as a sophomore in college, a second year player at least, she, it is what it is. You, you know, you're probably not ever going to get it to be you know 100 technically correct. Nor is. And I'm a big believer that there's very, very, very few players, even in the NBA, who are 100 technically correct about the way they correct. shoot the yeah. ball. You know, everybody's got their own little. You know, not there's not always the Jamal Wilkes. I remember Jamal by you. You can tell we're old, coach. You know, when we start talking, giving the Jamal yeah. Wilkes reference. <laughs> so. Oh, Ed, Ed, Eddie in the in the workaholics has no idea who Jamal Wilkes is. Probably he's so young. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Coach, before we move on to the notable numbers, just kind of give you a feel for this. This is we t- kind of deal with team numbers here, since we tend to talk more about individuals with the game ball and the hustle. So some team numbers, maybe that you want to point out here as we move into the noble numbers. Yeah, th- there's a lot of them. I mean, where do you start? Forty-five uh, percent three-point shooting. 45.8, uh, 23 assists on 33 uh, made baskets. Uh, good shooting, 
and team basketball, 58.9%. I mean, I, I'll let you talk about all those different ones, but when I look at that box score, uh, you know, that's there. And then, you know, uh, just, just in some outstanding, outstanding shooting because the players move and the coach puts them in positions to succeed. Yeah, and I'm I always tend to look at the kind of the the uh, categorical stats, I guess you would call them, of like points in the paint. You know, Indiana's night. You know, of course, Mac had 32, but Indiana led the points in the paint 44-24. They were fast break. Coach, I want to talk a little bit about this as well. Pace, pace, pace. You know, I, I just think this team again. I see them a little bit more in depth, but. It, I love it when they get up and down the floor. That one play tonight, I think it was in the second quarter. I can't remember the exact time, but you were talking about that sequence where on that run, we get a rebound or a steal, and we throw it up ahead to Sarah Sky, who who makes a great catch. And I didn't think she was going to catch it. Yeah, Yarden threw it. Yarden threw, threw it, right? Threw it, yep. Yarden threw it. And, and I thought maybe just overthrew it a tad. I didn't think there was any way Sarah would, A, catch it and then be able to do something if she did catch it. But she caught it and went right up in basically one motion to a layup. I, I just love that. I love the game when it's played like it. And even more, I love that pass by Yarden, too, because I'm a big fan of that diagonal cross court. You know, when you throw it up yes. ahead and, and can get Cross it Main Street. Yep. Yep. There you go. And, and with that, so, but we won the fast break points, 18, six. I, I, those are the numbers I like. Yeah. This team shoots it pretty yeah. well overall. The one area they don't shoot it well is at the free throw line, 67% tonight, which, you know, is a little, just a tad below their average, but you look at that coach, there really were not for a big 10 game. There were not a ton of free throw shot, 25 combined free throws on the two teams, but yeah, this yeah. team shoots it. Well, I love the coach that you went right to the assist number two, 23 assists on 33 made basket. That just tells you yeah. how well they're, moving the ball and getting to each other let's go back to that play that you were talking about i think that's such a key play um that pass is difficult and, and jenny more terminology for you i'm gonna give you a quiz we're both teachers i'm gonna quiz you about all this basketball terminology you put something <laughs> in the workaholics there um but crossing main court and, and and the kick ahead on the fast break that was over two defenders i mean that's like josh allen throwing a long pass with the buffalo bills i mean only a few people can really make that it takes an extreme amount of confidence to throw that pass uh and, and i like it even if it's not completed but you are so correct the catch was the best of all of that the pass was incredible the layup is two points but the catch and one, two, lay it up in traffic, gathering and knowing exactly how to stutter step. Um, Sarah, that was beautiful, um, that play. But you mentioned off the air, too, and if you want to talk about this now, I thought they played with pace, and there's two kinds of pace. You and I talk about this all the time. There's fast break, uh, which I thought Indiana does a, a good job of doing that. But then it's also a pace of half court, how, how quickly you shoot in the shot clock or how fast you move in moving the ball and moving people. And I thought Indiana's pace was really, really outstanding in all of those areas tonight. You're, would you agree? Yeah. You there still, Coach? Yep. I, I, okay. I can see you. Yeah, okay. 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 Just, I was having a little bit of a, for some reason I had some, something else popped up in my background. That's why we're good for apologize to our listeners that we had some background and some, you know, like kind of a, a double sound going on there. I had something pop up in my background and I had to find it. So I want to make sure I was still okay. live with you. So, but anyway, I thought you brought up some great points coach and I hope everybody was able to hear those as, as we were talking through those. But um, you know, I remember going to a clinic, you know, when I first started coaching, you know, and, and, and listening, those were where I kind of got my initial philosophies. Cause there's guys like, you know, um, uh, 
Wolf at Martinsville, Jim Hamill at Lafayette, Jeff, who back then were a lot, Mike Broughton, who was at Jeffersonville at the time, who were running back then a lot of sideline break. But that was one of the key things they talked about was that diagonal cross-court pass, what we used to refer to as the three-man, because it used to be you ran the two to the right side corner, three down the left side, and and we just talked about that three trying to be athletic, and shooter and athletic, but you could get them to the, to the rim if you needed to. And, and that's where I really learned to love that pass. I just thought that was a great way to attack um, with, from that standpoint, but um, there, well, there the reason coach, coach that's good. The reason that's good is because when the defense is loading backwards yep. and you're bringing the ball up on one side, they're going to load to the strong side. And when you cross main street is, is the terminology we used, then all of a sudden they're running back and have to switch and find people again. So they have to, you know, they're running back to the strong side and then you attack with the long pass to the weak side. That's, that's a hard cover. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think that that's a, a good reason why you want to cross court or cross main street. We, sometimes we would ta- teach our point guards to do that with the dribble. If you couldn't get the kick ahead to take that ball, you got to be careful of the backflow. Yeah. Cause when you cross main street, the, the, everyone's running down the center of the court, you get back tapped. But if you're ahead of the, if you're leading that fast break and you're down the side and you don't have strong side action, boom, cross that over between yep. your legs behind your back and cross main street uh, and attack on that weak side and you kick it ahead. And then you got the post runner and McKenzie yep. um, and I, I forget the backup post does a nice job really of running the floor too. Meister, then they run and either they're ahead of the game and you throw it up to them or they are a secondary post runner, rim runner, and then they can feed it into the post and our early post feed and in transition is deadly, especially with the skill that Mackenzie Holmes has in, in moving in the post. Yeah, and you mentioned Lily Meister. I think Lily's got a bright future. Unfortunately for her, from a career, you know, kind of her number standpoint, her career, she, you know, she sat for a couple of years behind an All American. That it is what it is. But I really think I really like the way Lily runs the floor. I like the way she, her hand, she has that she that she gets the ball down inside. She she does a nice job of catching. And I think you're gonna. I'm not saying she's going to put McKenzie like numbers, but she's going to put up some decent numbers as a post in this system. So. Um, any other numbers there, Coach, you want to talk about with the team before we move on to the game? Well, ball? I, I, I think you mentioned, and, and rightfully so, points in the paint are always important, even if you have good shooting. Uh, you made a really good comment there. We all love the three-point shot. We all love when it goes in at 45%, but, but the reason that goes in is because you have a heck of a presence in, in the paint, and you also have players who can drive and score at the rim, uh, beat closeouts. You know, when you're a good three-point shooter, they're going to run you off the lane, and then you drive and share the basketball. But I think that stat was very, very telling, so I wanted to back you up uh, on, on that. And then a lot of other things, too. When you win a couple categories, other categories, the points off turnovers – it was only an eight-point advantage uh, for the Lady Hoosiers, but in the first half, it really made a difference. It was a close game, and then in that 14-2 run, I thought Indiana's defense got locked in, and it, and they and Minnesota missed shots, and Indiana turned the ball over. I talked about the one where uh, McKenzie got the steal and layup. Uh, mm-hmm. Points off turnovers are always um, daggers as well as those made threes. And, and even an, only an eight-point difference can make a, a huge difference in a ball game. And I thought the turnover difference there, especially in the first half, set the tone for uh, the Lady Hoosiers. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that part of it because it, it tends to be easy points. You know, not always, but they yeah. tend to be easy points. So, all right, we'll move on to our game ball here, Coach. And just kind of like you would on assembly call, I'm going to let you go first here, your guest. But it just kind of break it down and who you decide to go with tonight. Man, uh, this is a tough decision. Um, 
you had Sydney Parrish, who got Indiana off to a great start with nine points in the first quarter. Then you had uh, Sarah Scalia with, with 14 points and daggers to get the bleed up to 18 in the second. And while those two were doing that, you just had uh, McKenzie score 32 points. I don't know how many she had in the first half. Um, I, I think I could probably go to that box score here real quick. McKenzie? Um, yeah. 17 in the first half. Okay. So, I mean, you had three players that just were, were absolutely dominating from a point standpoint. And then, like I said, uh, Yarden and, um, uh, McNeil did what they had to do to be glue players, you know? Uh, so, um, I, I feel bad having to pick one. I'm mad at you now that you're making me pick one. <laughs> like this should be a, a three game ball three game ball award, but I know we don't do that on, on our show either. Um, so, you know, how, how do you not go with 32 points season high and, and really, um, because of her presence opened up things for other people. Uh, so Mackenzie Holmes gets my game ball for her outstanding, outstanding play, but I thought two others really, really deserved consideration. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Sarah Scalia and, and Sydney Parrish are in the conversation for a game ball award here. But I'm going to go with Mac as well because, again, very 15 to 17, coach. She only missed two shots. I mean, on I mean, second, come on, man. 15 to 17, two of two at the line, seven rebounds. Hey, she's mastered. She's mastered that up and under move. Yep. Like, how can you not scout that and take it away? She just sells it anyway. I, she goes, wow. hey, you know I'm going to do this move, and I'm just going to score on you 32 points worth of, of great post moves. Uh, I wrote this down about uh, uh, McKenzie. She is very poised in the post. Like, no one's perfect. She was darn near 15 to 17. Uh, I think there was a travel or something like that. and gets happy. Maybe a bad fumble on a catch, yes. But um, she's poised in there. Uh, mm -hmm. And and. and that happened when you, when you're poised like that, you, you, your bad plays are going to be so minimal and your great plays are going to be bountiful. And, and what, what a great, um, great player that is to watch play in the post. And you know, it's footworks footwork. You and I talk angles. She gets proper angles. Uh, she knows where to cut. You mentioned that on the drives to find the hole, uh, in the defense where the help comes. Uh, yeah. Uh, is it Brody there says so smooth. I think that is an accurate way uh, to say uh, when I watched uh, this closely, how she played very, very smooth in the post. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I just have a hard time going with any of the others because I just thought Mac played so well tonight in the 32 points of season high, by the way, coming in tonight, Mac had six game balls. Those of you who are watching us on the live YouTube feed can see the scroll at the bottom of the screen, Mac came in with six. This will give her seven now on the season. Sarah Scalia uh, with four, Sydney Parrish, and Yarden Garzone with three each. So game ball tonight goes to Sydney Parrish, or excuse me, to Mackenzie Holmes. I saw Sydney's name scrolling across there. It got me thinking. So, Coach, I'll throw it to you for the Grace Berger Hardest Worker Award. Once again, I'm mad at you. Like, this was <laughs> – you asked me you to be on the show, and easy. I got – I thought, yeah, easy. I mean, my – my goodness, I am going to go with um, Sydney Parrish. I, I thought uh, I thought early in the game she played some pretty good defense. She was locked in a stance, um, good contest of shots, hustled after some key rebounds in that first quarter, and really uh, everything she did. The post pass I talked about. The she got some key rebounds, uh, and then she she hit some big shots, which isn't really hustle. But uh, I thought. 
uh, I thought that set the tone for the Hoosiers in this bounce-back game. Uh, and that's good from a veteran leader to, to do a lot of things that weren't stats. I guess rebounds are and everything. But I thought she was really um, – you know, hustling and moving well and, and flying around the court in that first. Very easy could go to Sarah, too, I think, uh, mm-hmm. for her intensity um, and the way she played. But I'm going to go uh, Sydney Parrish uh, for the hardest worker. Yeah, I, I'm going to agree with you there, Coach. Again, Sarah Scalia with 22 points, 5'11 from three, uh, two rebounds, a couple assists. But I, just Sydney was so efficient. She was five for eight tonight on threes. She got us, like you said, got us off to that good start. Um, and just like you said, there are just things that Sydney does. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Sarah. This is not a comparison of the two. Just for me, when I watch Sydney, I just love her basketball IQ. I, I, she always seems yeah. to be. Now, she gets in some foul trouble at, at different times in, in games through the year. She has kind of avoided that. So knock on wood, it'll continue. But she just, you know, she tends to be right place, right time, knows what where the ball's going to be, knows where to get the ball. And so, but I just think it's really been important. You look at the stretch, she didn't, and and the Iowa game is the one loss kind of here. But if you kind of go back to the Illinois game, the Michigan game, the Nebraska game, and then tonight, she's been the one that's really gotten us off to the starts. You know, all four of those wins, she's gotten us off to a really good start in the first quarter by nailing, you know, nailing shots, primarily three. So Sydney Parrish is going to get her fifth Grace Berger, hardest worker of the, uh, of the game award tonight. Uh, Mackenzie Holmes has five, excuse me, Mackenzie Holmes has four. Chloe Moore McNeil with three, Lexi Bargesser with two, Lene Beaumont and Lily Meister have one each. So with that, and real quick, before we move on here, we'll talk about Mac watch real quick. Mac uh, tonight with the 32 points. I'm doing a little bit of Kathy's work here because Kathy's usually one doing Mac watch for us, but McKenzie's 32 points tonight moves her to 2,241 points. Uh, She is 123 behind Tyra Buss's school record. She needs to average 10.3 points per game um, to get for the rest of the season to get there. At some point, we're going to have to kind of do the numbers here at 12, at 123 points average, let's say six or seven games where she's going to get to that record here in the next, next six, seven games. Um, she already has the school record for field goals made. Um, she had seven more rebounds tonight, which puts her up to 1,273. She'll need 28 more to be, move into fifth place all time on the rebounding list. And her two blocks tonight, um, Moves her up to 234 total. She is 35 behind. She's going to have to average about 2.3, I believe, um, to get to where she would be the number one all time on block shots. But that's Mac Watch. Our 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 doing our, our workaholics have come to enjoy that little segment here of Mac Watch with that. So that's where we are there. Um, real quick, we'll talk. We'll bring Coach in on this. I know he doesn't watch. A ton of the women, uh, but the next game Sunday at Purdue. Uh, right now, I did I looked this up again online, and and with some of the football schedule, it, it could change. But I looked this up online this morning. It's still scheduled for a two o'clock Eastern time start at Purdue, one o'clock Central. It will be on Peacock again. Uh, Purdue is currently number seventy-seven in the net. They lead the all-time series fifty-three to forty, including twenty-eight to fourteen at Mackey Arena. Indiana's won won last year, 83 to 60, to clinch the Big Ten title at Assembly Hall. They've won the last nine in a row in the series. Uh, Purdue right now is nine and seven, two and three in the league. They play at Penn State tomorrow. And Penn State, by the way, for those of you who've been watching and listening with us all along, McKenna Marissa played in the game against IU last week. 
Ashley Owuzu. Ashley was I can always have a hard time with her name. Owuzu. Easy for you to say there, Coach. Yeah, Ashley Owuzu <laughs> is back. She played in the game, the last game Penn State played. So they now seem to have all their players available and, and might be that. Keep an eye on Penn State going down you know for the rest of the way on if those two are staying healthy and on the floor uh purdue um some big losses they they got blown out by ucla um which there's no shame in but ucla number seven in the net got beat by florida and georgia down the bahamas they lost to minnesota up in minneapolis lost big to notre dame on the road but again notre dame's number 11 got beat bad by iowa uh maryland beat them just the other day by 22 so they've got a lot of double-digit losses to teams ranked pretty high in the net, but they don't really have any notable wins. That's the one thing they're missing on their resume, and I think that's one of the things that's dragging their net rating down. Um, Katie Gerald's former Purdue player in her third season, 45-33 and 33 overall, uh, 228-50 and 50 in eight seasons, uh, in her previous eight seasons when she was at Marion. I'm not going to get into a ton of the stats here, but they are 11th in the league in scoring, 7th in defense. Um, they've struggled to shoot it. They're 12th in field goal percentage, 9th in three-point percentage. Um, they are third in free throw percentage, so we don't want to get down to a free throw contest at the end. Uh, they don't rebound well. They're 12th in the league in margin. They're 10th in turnover margin. So their key players are Abby Ellis, 5'6 guard, who leads them at 15 points a game. Uh, Madison Layden, another Indiana kid. Uh, Madison Layden, Northwestern High School, 6'1 senior guards, average 11. Uh, Caitlin Harper, a 6'3 grad forward at 10 points a game. And then Rashunda Jones is a 5'8 freshman out of South Bend, Washington, averaging just about nine and a half. So they've got some kids that can put it, you know, put a little bit in the basket, but they're just struggling to score. And so, Coach, I don't know if you've had much of a chance to watch the Purdue women at all or heard much about them there in Delphi. You, you know what? It's Purdue. Just go kick their rear ends. I mean, don't don't, don't even let them have a chance, right? Nine in a row. Um, I, I I haven't, uh, you know, with the bracketology and 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 assembly call stuff. I'm on the road, you know, to the men's games, and I got four college games on over here, uh, trying to keep an eye on that for our bracketology meeting uh, tomorrow. So I don't get to see a lot of um, a lot of, of variety. I usually have the IU women on when they play, and the other three are on the NCA. But I don't watch the rest of the league. But you know, Purdue has a, has a, had a tradition of winning. Uh, it is Mackey Arena. They will be up for that game, just like anyone who is at Purdue trying to play Indiana. But uh, we own them right now, and, and don't let up. Um, don't, just don't you know? Don't let up. And it's been. Uh, it's nice when you can go on the road like that to your rival and, and yeah. consistently win. And so that needs to continue at some point that'll likely end, but let's not have it be uh, on Sunday. Yeah. And, and coach, you and I can remember when Purdue kind of was the team that was running this rivalry, yeah. they were the one winning right. nine, 10, 11 in a row. Um, and so it is nice to see the turnaround here with this and the, what Terry Moore is being able to do. Um, and expect a good crowd. If not a sellout, I'll bet it's close to a sellout on Sunday. Uh, hopefully that means if it is, there's going to be a lot of IU fans there because it's not a long trip to get to West Lafayette from parts of Indiana, Bloomington, wherever you may be. Um, real quickly for our workaholics, we've been doing this a little bit, kind of a newer feature uh, in the league tonight, Ohio State, an 84-76 win. The reason that's a big game is that knocks Maryland down to three losses in the league, and it really now has kind of separated Iowa, Indiana, and Ohio State from the rest of the league. Everybody else, Nebraska was winning. I didn't see a final score, but assume Nebraska won, held on to one. 
over Michigan. They were up 55-40 in the fourth quarter. Nebraska will have two losses, and then everybody else in the league will have three or more. And so Nebraska is still kind of hanging around. Uh, Big game on, I believe it's Sunday – um, Iowa uh, travels to Ohio State. That'll be a big game. Yes, that's Sunday. Iowa travels to Ohio State. Tomorrow, we already talked about big game on Saturday, in my opinion. Michigan State, Minnesota. Uh, these are two teams fighting for a spot in the bracket. Um, Minnesota was one of the last four buys this week with Charlie Cream. Michigan State was a solid eight at this point. Um, and Michigan State, I think, is, is showing us to be a little more contender rather than pretender. And then another game, I, as I was talking about Penn State, keep an eye on Sunday. Nebraska goes to Penn State. So that's another, you know, you know, and again, I think Nebraska is a, a, you know, a legit tournament team. So those are going to be things to keep an eye out here in the Big Ten of the week before we talk to you again on Sunday afternoon after the uh, Purdue game. Coach, we're going to throw it to you. Kind of final thoughts here. First of all, I love the workaholics. Uh, some familiar names in there. Uh, you know, thanks for. Uh, tuning in and supporting the, the women's program. What what an enjoyable program. And, and you guys are some of the most diehard fans. It's just great to, to see that. Uh, and if you uh, need anything from me on the other side, uh, you know, get a hold of me, social media or whatever. I'll be glad to answer questions uh, about anything on the women's side as I can. Obviously, Kathy and Jeff are the experts. Um, and then, uh, so ask them, but it's just been enjoyable to interact with, with the workaholics um, and a lot more than Jeff, but um, you know, I came here for the workaholics. I didn't want to really talk to coach Marlowe, but um, I thought the Indiana, I thought the Indiana women's team was, was an enjoyable trip for this old guy tonight. Um, it was um, a, a well-coached uh, game. The players were connected uh, shared the basketball. Uh, they they played great defense when they needed to. It, it, if I I could throw a little uh, concern, if I was in that film room, uh, they got to play connected defense for forty minutes against the top opponents coming up. And when you get to the tournament, they had a you know they were up and down defensively today. Would be my only concern. But man, they they played well offensively and have some really good players. It was it was fun uh, to write down all the all the the actions again, um, which is what college basketball should be, is is, is a, a, a lot of movement on offense. And, and it was it was fun getting in the weeds tonight with the women's program. Again, having it on TV and 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 following the show every once in a while. Um, I haven't watched it as closely as I did tonight because I wanted to make sure I said some good things for the workaholics tonight. Um, and boy, watching the details uh, tonight was, was very, very enjoyable. So I look forward to tuning in a lot more, uh, and, and, and interacting with, uh, with the workaholics, but on a serious note, uh, Jeff and Kathy, uh, congratulations on starting this up. The women's program deserves this. You guys have done a, a remarkable job in building it, uh, and coming up with your segments and, and all of that. And Sunday is just a, a great milestone, uh, for the two of you and the work that you've done for the back home network and as a part of the back home network uh and knowing you personally and a few times we've had a chance to sit down and talk face to face some of it in the back seat of your vehicle during a delay <laughs> in a tennis match out here at delphi high school uh, it's an honor to be here and it's an honor to call you uh, a friend and a fellow coach uh, and i know you do a lot of good radio work around this area as well the rensselaer area but uh congratulations to you two it's just it's awesome to see the back home network grow 
and especially grow for women's basketball, which is a very, very, very important uh, part of Indiana University. So thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I appreciate you here being here, Coach. Thanks for all the kind words. And hey, I want to ask you a couple of questions for some of our listeners and viewers who aren't as familiar with you. A lot of them are, but for a few may not know you as well. Um, but so how did De- Delphi Bracketology get started? First of all, and and then uh, I'll start there. How did you start with Delphi Bracketology? Because for those yeah. who don't know, Coach Tonsoni teaches at Delphi High School, kind of in Delphi Bracketology with a club of kids he has, but they are some of the best bracketologists in the country uh, on the men's side. Yeah, quickly, bracketology is trying to predict what the bracket looks like, not who's going to win the games. Like when you get that paper uh, and try to pick out the winners and pay $2 for a pool, we don't (laughs) pick the winners. We just actually pick the bracket. Uh, That's what bracketology is. So we try to be the NCAA committee and guess. You hear uh, Jeff and Kathy talk about, you know, the net and and the quality teams and quality wins to get in the tournament. We try to predict who's going to be in the men's side tournament. And we have a TV show with ISC sports network and, and we have our own webpage and things like that. But it started coach with the question in econ probably should have been talking about econ, but <laughs> we had a Purdue fan and an IU fan in 2015. And they asked me, they said, where do you think Indiana and Purdue are going to be seated in the upcoming tournament? Uh, and it was about mid February. I said, I don't know. You want to have breakfast and uh, just try to see if we can't Google it and try to figure it out. And it started like that. We had breakfast one morning with five or six guys, students and a couple teachers. And we just started talking and and we got connected with some great people. Uh, Andy Bottoms uh, of the assembly call. I I had been following uh, on their show. Uh, And so I got a hold of him and and there's a USA uh, writer from Houston, Texas, who shared some stuff with us. And it just has grown. That first year, we just kind of put together our own. And then the second year, we were encouraged to join the contest. We end up winning it. And CBS Sports flies in from New York to put us on during March Madness. And it's just exploded there. We, we have radio spots in Lafayette. We have a TV, Like I said, we have a TV show. We've been in various New York Times, The Athletic. Uh, it's been a great run. And so I get to go to school and, and look up sports scores. And now we have a class on Tuesdays and Thursdays where we talk basketball and it's been for this old guy. It's been a great, um, it's kept me, um, rejuvenated along with the assembly call and the back home network, being able to do this now that I'm out of coaching. Uh, it's just given me a lot of, of good things. And our students are, uh, so awesome. We had a student down at IU last night for the, for the men's game, a media, uh, two teachers and a student. And she had an article. We just do, real quick capsules. We don't do ESPN like articles, but she took it upon herself to write an article. And at the end of the game, she goes, coach, would you preview this for me? And, 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 you know, it's just great opportunities for our young students and it's excellent opportunities for old coaches and teachers who get media passes and free food. Uh, but that's how it got started. And that's what we do. Uh, Delphi bracketology.com. Uh, we probably should start doing a, a women's version. I apologize for all the, the workaholics that, that we, we, we don't have that piece yet. Um, but it, it's good stuff for, for uh, our college basketball fans at Delphi High School. Thanks for asking. Real quick, how many kids do you have in the class? Well, now we have 28. Um, two teachers put our classes together. We have a power hour now that meets Tuesdays and Thursdays, and teachers can okay. come up with their own curriculum. Um, I've done podcasting, sports and data, uh, is really what we do. Um, long story there, I got to call it sports and data. I can't call it bracketology. Um, you, you know how all that technology stuff goes, but we do sports and data 
and uh, other teachers do campfire building or outdoor stuff, and it's really been a good thing. Um, Kevin Sims, uh, old Rensselaer basketball yep. coach, is our principal, and he came up with this idea that students need to be engaged in learning other than just the book stuff. And so he created this hour. We had enough time. He created this hour where people could explore certain things with teachers. You know, we have everything from crocheting to, you know, my wife does some, uh, you know, um, what's it called? The, the maker space in the library. So it's just an hour for kids to relax and learn without the pressure of grades. It's one of the best things that we, we have done, That's that neat. power hour. And I get to do sports and data. I've done that two nine weeks, and I have podcasting the other – two, nine weeks. So give, give kids some options other than, you know, science, social studies and all that stuff that they're forced to take. Um, so yes, we have about 28 students and, and tomorrow we'll be looking at, uh, the spreadsheet and picking bubble teams in and bubble teams out and talking about all that during class. And coach real quick, you know, a couple other questions here before I let you go and we wind this down tonight and talk about our hundredth episode on Sunday. Um, you mentioned that Charlie Cream is kind of the one person I really know of on the women's side. As the women's game gets some popularity to it, and and a lot, you know, and more than just Caitlin Clark, but you know, the Aaliyah Boston's, the Paige Beckers, as the women's game kind of grows, do you think we'll see more of women's kind of bracketology growing, like the men's side? You know, like you talk about the contest, and there's there's I won't say hundreds, but there's dozens of bracketologists on the men's side. Yeah, just. Um... It, it, the bracketology in the nine years we've done it has exploded. Uh, bracketology Twitter, if you go follow all the bracketology accounts, the, I, I think there's like hundreds and hundreds of people that okay. try to get involved with, with bracketology. Um, we had the best score in the contest and finished like 110th last year. And that's how many people now do it and do it well. So one would hope. Um, this is good basketball, Coach. You know that. You That's why you're doing the show. That's why the workaholics are here. This was fun tonight. It's good basketball. The women deserve all of that. And, and unfortunately, you know, with Title IX and the 70s and the state basketball, everything follows the men. Mm-hmm. But I don't see why it will will not. You, you have some young reporters down there at IU that are solely diving into women's sports. Um, Talia Goodman has taken that um, – you know, where she's doing some stuff in, in the transfer portal with women and reporting on that and social media. And I'm sure there are people around the country that are doing that. One would hope that there would be a contest and, and, and places for that. Like I said, that we have dabbled in the women's uh, bracketology, uh, time constraints and how deep we have to get in the weeds have, have um, constrained that. Maybe with this class, that's something we could add again uh, next year, but I hope so. Uh, because this is good basketball, and the game and the skills have advanced so much uh, today. That, you know, just to talk about the Minnesota pull-up game, there was a time 10, 15 years ago where the pull-up game wasn't a part of women's basketball. Um, shooting was and post-play was, but now that dribble game, uh, ha- the skills have become so, so much more improved. And, and so you hope the attention, you know, with TV has grown, and the coverage for the, for the women's game. And then, you know, obviously the coverage and and the bracketology stuff uh, needs to explode because you do that. And then all the, all the young girls, I'm going to be a grandpa here in March, March Madness baby. It's going to be, it's going to be a little girl. And if she wants to to play sports, uh, you know, then that'll be great. Uh, And for all those workaholics and people who have uh, girls who play sports, they deserve coverage as much as they possibly can. So one one could hope, and I do think it'll happen. I don't know how quick 
Yeah. Uh, and as you know, uh, it, as you know, it's all about money too, and and what drives clicks and all of those things on social media. But one could only hope. And congratulations on that. She'll have grandpa, granddad tied around her fingers pretty quickly, probably. Already does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, hey, uh, we're going to kind of segue here with some Bob Thompson music, and we'll come back and talk about what's coming up next. All right. So coming up next here will be our 100th show on Sunday after the Purdue game. Right now we're tentatively thinking four o'clock Eastern, three central. That's our 100th episode. We haven't made that known enough, but we are going to run a special home field apparel giveaway that day. Um, if you are in the live YouTube feed and participating in the workaholics, you have to comment in the workaholics. And it has to be a comment about the game. You can't just show up and say, Hey, everybody, I'm here. You have to make a comment about the game kind of shows that you at least paid some attention to the game on Sunday. Um, and then Sean, Kathy's husband, Sean, Kathy will be back here on Sunday, but Kathy's husband, Sean is a controller as part of his, is, is for his job. So he's been kind of designated to keep track of everybody who's commenting. And then there'll be a draw and whoever gets drawn out, will have the opportunity to pick anything from home field apparel. We'll get together with you a kind of DM a private message, whatever, whatever we need to do, but we'll make sure that that you are directed toward homefieldapparel.com and they've told us that you can pick any item. We were we thought maybe they'd put a limit money limit on it, but they've told us you can pick any item from Home Field Apparel um if you're the winner of the of the 100 show workaholic giveaway. So really kudos to Home Field Apparel for, for sponsoring us and the Back Home Network but also for doing that for us on our 100th show. Also, so that that will be on Sunday after the Purdue game assembly call coach you on tomorrow night AC radio will be on with their usual Thursday show. I have, I'm going to be a four show and four day guy. Uh, I got the, the assembly call radio tomorrow night and then, uh, the post game after Wisconsin on, uh, on Friday night. So I'm going to have you to rest my voice, maybe show a movie in class tomorrow or something where I don't have to do a, a lot of talk and save it, save it for my second job. Gotcha. So if you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash at, that's the at sign at back home network. Again, youtube.com slash at back home network. You can be a part of our private community as well. Find out more at assemblycall.substack.com. Special thanks to John Ringer of Rig Design for designing our logos. Big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music you heard throughout the broadcast. I want to personally thank Coach Tonsoni for coming in and joining me and helping out tonight. His first time here on doing the work. We look forward to having him again in the future. I want to thank all of you for listening and watching. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thanks, Coach. I'll let you get out of here. I know it's it's a little you're an hour ahead of me on the Eastern Time Zone, so I know it's going to be an earlier morning for you. Oh, uh, yeah, it's all fun, though, Coach. This was good. I appreciate um, I appreciate you having me on and asking, and it was just fun. Like I said on the show, it's just fun diving into this team uh, no. as far as an evaluation piece instead of just watching it as a as a fan. Uh, to really dive in and try to watch uh, what they were doing and how they were playing. Um, 
they have been fun to watch before. Now, now when I was taking all those notes, it was even a lot, a lot more fun. And and I always like talking to you. Um, you know, we we we've done a few we coaches' get together. corners together, and yeah, we we, we need to watch find a, a spot and watch a game or have dinner or something yeah. like that. Um, we just got to do it. But um, thank you again, and to to the people in the chat mob, it's awesome. Keep following this team; uh, they're good. And and what was the attendance tonight? I know the weather's kind of cold and bad, but I th still thought it was pretty good. 79-77. 79-77 was the attendance. Not quite some of their better ones, but Ari was texting me during the game. He thinks that'll be one of the lower ones you'll see for the rest of the year because right. a lot of the home games now are going to be weekends and or better teams coming in. So um, even Northwestern is not playing well. What a, a sign that this program is headed in the right direction because 7,900 about five or six years ago would have been a great crowd. Yep. And it, that, that's Hoosier Nation. That makes me so happy that they're supporting this program. I feel that way. You know, soccer gets a good crowd for soccer, baseball. You know, when when, when the programs, uh, you know, do well, then, then Hoosier Nation shows out. And, and nothing more than, you know, women's sports. Volleyball has had some really good sellouts mm -hmm. in Wilkinson Hall. That's that's the kind of stuff that really makes this uh, old alum pretty pretty darn happy. Yeah, and you're talking about the watching them a little bit and digging into the weeds a little bit. You know, it's just I think it's one thing having coached girls. You know, and I was on the boys' side before that. That, and not every team in the women's game is like this, obviously. But you just don't have that. You know, like in the men's game, sometimes you just there's just so much athleticism involved. Whereas in the women's game, unless you're, you know, maybe South Carolina, some of those great UConn teams, you've got to play. You've got to get movement. You've got to get the screening action. You're not just generally going to out-athleticize people. And that's still one of the things that I enjoy about coaching, even when I was coaching on the boys' side. I, that was one of the things, Coach, that, you know, I've watched, and, and, and you watch boy the men's game a lot and, I, and, and still maybe get a high school game here or so when you're watching your son coach. Is it just we are coaches aren't emphasizing it much? I just seem like there's a lot of what I call the blow by screen. You know, the player goes away to screen and then they just kind of go past a defender. They don't really lay a body on them. And, you know, and maybe that's because moving screens yeah. get called so much anymore. But I, I just miss that old concept of what even when I was coaching the girls, we really emphasize chest to shoulder, you know, chest. Yeah. You know, and, and it just doesn't seem like men or women, there's all there is that you don't see a no. lot of those solid screens anymore. A couple things. First of all, the, the officiating night, they were calling those moving screens like yeah. they were giving out candy. Like yeah. every screen was a moving screen, the officiating. Um, but what what I've gathered in talking to college coaches is the shot clock has changed mm. a, a lot of the screening stuff because of spacing. And when you Got screen, it. you bring multiple people together and you clog up spacing. But screening is also a benefit because it creates spacing if you get a mismatch or get someone caught up in the screen. Mm. And so it, it's just... I still think moving of people is better. I would love screening, but I'm old old style. But I would love just moving people uh, because, you know, we talked a lot about screen the screener tonight. That that was good. And they have a shot clock, uh, mm -hmm. you know, so it's not – I don't buy in that the shot clock means you just pass it to someone, they blow by someone with the dribble, or you just exchange. You know, you call it the blow by screen. Me, it's just exchange positions yeah. or the handoff. Dribble weave handoff is big in college basketball right now. Uh, and then the one, you talk when coaches talk about screening, they talk about middle ball screen. Um and a ball screen's nice, but we used to coach never, never go screen the ball because you bring 
you know, two players to guard the ball. Um, but basketball changes and the athleticism, yep. especially on the men's side, is more of a one on one game. But I really believe you can do some things as I'm watching college basketball uh, for all this bracketology. I still see weak side screening and then getting the guy a catch and then the attack to close out. So you can still do the one on one mm. athletic drive and kick stuff, but you got to get people, in, you got to get defense in a disadvantage and then the drives are better. If you yeah. just catch and let that defender lock in on you, and now you're saying, okay, now spread and stand, and then I'm going to beat that guy with my dribble or the 19 crab dribble into the post until you come trap me, and then we're going to play out of it. Um, it's not, in theory, bad basketball coach because spacing no. is important. It's just not fun for me to watch. If I well, wanted to watch that, I'd go watch the G League all the time or the NBA where it's like an all-star game. Um, I'm not a big league guy because of that, but the league is even changing. Miami, Denver, a lot more movement and action. But the screening game, Brad Brunell told me uh, that he's now at Clemson. He was at Wright State. I went mm -hmm. over and saw him in a, in a just a, a, a private coaching session. He told me it's like first eight seconds is early offense, that transition you talked yep. about. Then the next 12 seconds is move. Just move with a purpose and move the ball and, and try to get an open man. And then the last eight seconds, pull it back out ball screen for your late shot clock. And so he said, we've gone away from a lot of motion concepts and teaching screening and cutting and flaring because you don't have enough time in a possession mm -hmm. to really change sides of the floor three or four times. You know, you and I are big ball reversal guys. Change sides of the floor three or four times and get that defense moving and then attack. Well, with the shot clock, you may, might not have that ability to do that. Yeah. So, um, but I still think you're right whether it's screening or movement, I mean, UConn tonight, uh, before I started watching the women, they're running screen to screen or stuff, catching and then driving. I still think you can do it. Mm -hmm. Sorry for the long answer, but it's a passionate yeah. thing with me, especially in the other side of our, this program right now. Yeah, The standing just drives me nuts because when I watch these four screens here, I see a heck of a lot more movement. And then when you feed the post out of that movement, then you stand for the kickouts. Yeah, that's good, but boy. I love the movement tonight. I'm so excited. I might not be able to sleep. I don't, I don't per se dive into it anymore that way. And you know, where I'm kind of breaking down a film, like when I first started the first couple of times I got on with assembly call. And even with this, I would kind of pay a little more attention and be like, Oh man, I'm really going to dive into the, like I'm watching film, you know, like that's a, yeah. but I do think if I ever got back into coaching, there's that side ball screen stuff there. I, I just think there's some really neat stuff with some of that, with that side ball screen, you know, you can do so yeah. my, what I see is you guys got so many options out of it, different ways you can get into it, different things you can do once you get there um, with that. I, I and, and here's one for you coach. And, and I don't think I'd really ever do it, but boy, there's a, there's a little part of me that would love to be Paul Westhead. I, I mean, just, you know, we're yeah, going to get out and we're going to run. I'm going to press you and I'm going to run and, get, and I'm just going for third, like in a high school game for 32 minutes, I'm coming at you or, or as Nolan Richardson used to refer to it, you know, you know, 40 minutes of hell, I'm going to, it's going to be 32 minutes of hell, you know, and to a certain degree, if you get, if you get a chance, you know, I know we're kind of in the post game here with the, with doing the work. But if you get the opportunity to watch our Rensselaer Central girls team, that they they run and jump, and it is very aggressive, and it is very and and they are just it's from tip to until coach tells them calls them off. It is it is a very aggressive mindset, and that's one of the reasons why right now they're undefeated and they're number one in the state in three A. But it's that's that's kind of me in my heart. That's where I am. But I also yeah. know at the high school level, you also have to kind of adjust to what you got. So right. 
one of the things that I would do, and, and I never really thought this until my oldest son played AAU and had the freedom to shoot from the volleyball line. Um, <laughs> I, I think I was maybe too controlling as a high school coach yeah. with running sets or running offense or needing to call something all the time. I think there are times like I'm on coach Woodson. He needs to call more. I think mm -hmm. he has total freedom for his players, but I would do this and I'm interested to see what you think. If you get a stop, a rebound, or you get uh, something, you're free to go down and play basketball. Do what you want within the concepts. I will teach you what I like, but I'm going to let it play yeah. because then the defense doesn't know and you're and the point guard's not holding it up going one or Cincinnati or whatever else. Just go play because you've earned it. Yeah. You want to play free, you're going to play your rear end off on the defensive end and get stops. When they score, I'm calling something. Um and just allow that offensive freedom because offense, you have to have confidence. Like Sarah tonight was confident with her offense. She missed a couple threes, but she's going to shoot them. And I think too many times, coaches, you brought this up with Archie, and, and you were absolutely right, that if you try to control so much, then everyone's got that half-second delay built in. Am I doing the right thing? And if you're a shooter, you got to shoot when you first catch the ball, and then you got to shoot it again, and then you got to shoot it again. And when you miss nine in a row, you got to shoot it again. And if you think too much, um, that that becomes a problem. But and I think so that's what I would do. You, what do you think if you if you get a stop on defense, go play whatever you want. I, I will first of all, I will kind of uh, I appreciate you saying that when I said that about Archie. I'm beginning to wonder if there's a little bit of that right now in that program. Uh, that if to a certain yeah, degree, they've I, been told not to, sh you know, that yeah, they've kind of sapped some of the confidence. Even though I do think Mbako is starting to show what I right. kind of what I was hoping he would do. Um, I'm with you. I, I think that I will agree. I probably was one of those. I I know I was, I was one of those control guys. I wanted to make sure we ran the set. I wanted, cause I thought I knew what, but I'm with you. I think you go, I would, if I got back into it and did it again, be like, you play your butt off on defense, you get a stop, a steal, you're going down. I think what I would do maybe is give them like five, here are five things that you can do when you get it. That's turnover. All right. And I, yep. and I would obviously drill those things and work on it, but here's your concept, but it's gotta be moving. I don't want to, don't come down here and stand around and act like, you know, we're going to, yeah. one yep. person's going to dribble it the whole time. I want us to get into, it would be, get us into something, you know, kind of those, pro, those concepts that we, that I was talking about earlier with Wolf and Hamill, those guys I saw way back 30 years ago, we're going to push it up the floor, whether it's the sideline, the diagonal, the dribble through the main street, we're going to, but I want something that's going to make that defense have to, I want a mismatch. That's what I would really want to see yep. them do is create a mismatch, create a, or a numbers opportunity where it's three on two, four on two, something like that. I want to, I, I would really like to see it be, because I, I, I was a big fan of my out of bounds plays especially my blobs for people to like blob baseline out of bounds coach speak i wanted a quick hit i was looking to score on every single yep. blob now we didn't but that was my philosophy win was, the game was, within the game yeah you outscore someone 10 to 4 on blobs you win the game within the game yep and i didn't That's want really the, good I did stuff not, I didn't like the idea of like we're just going to throw it out toward the half court and set something up i wanted every blob to be you know our first instinct was to score you know, we were going to get yep. a shooter in the corner. We were going to, we were going to, I had a screen. I had a couple different screen, the screener actions on blobs. Uh, I had a simple lob play that I never could quite figure out how nobody ever did adjust to it and, and take it away from us. And, and we would score two or three baskets a game on a simple lob play um, in the lane. So, but yeah, I totally agree yeah. with you about my that. favorite so, out of bounds play along those lines was, I forget who the famous coach was. Uh, I want to say Landers at Georgia women. I saw, was it, I forget his name, but
but the head coach at Georgia women way back when it was ran Andy a couple Landers sets. for a long time. Andy Landers um, had a couple sets, uh, and they were just they were hard to guard because whatever the defense did, you just taught our players to make a curl or a fade. Uh, and we ran two guys from the, from the block, stay on the black. And then they run out to the three point line on the strong side. So you got to go out and guard that. Then we just had a guy on the opposite post and a cutter, either curl if they chased, or if they went over the top baseline and, and it was so good. Um, but I'm with you win the game within the game. Uh, the blobs are so, so important, yep. but yeah, yep. I used to tell people on, on secondary, I got away from secondary. It's like pitch yep. ahead, layup, pitch ahead, get a piece of the paint and then play out of the paint. Either shoot or hit the post or drive uh, drive the paint and kick out. That was our fast break. There was no structure. It was get that ball up to court, get it into the layup, uh, the post runner, or drive the elbow or drive the paint and then play out of it. Uh, and I really would try to emphasize that more. And Tim Wolf, it was Tim Wolf at Martinsville. I was, I kept right, saying Coach right. Wolf. It was Tim Wolf at Martinsville, and with, and 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 I just that dribble like Indiana. I think has a variation of this. The men do, and I, I've seen several teams. I've seen some high school teams do it, where you kind of run that play, where you run the kid off the block on the on the blob, you throw it to him out near the corner, and then you run basically handoff. You can either fake the handoff and or you know, yep. and then go baseline. Yep. I, it's keep. just amazing. Yeah, I, I, it's just amazing how such a simple play can be so effective because you're putting the pressure on the defense of what are you going to do? Are you going to go with the kid curling around it and whether he gets it or not, or are you, are you going to take the chance that he does get it and, or, or you get a good three point shooter and you can say you get stuck behind it. You just kind of hand it off and he's wide open. I, there's, I just love watching that little handoff action. Cause it just, you know, we never really had that kind of play. And yeah. it's like, that's another one I'd steal if I got back well, into it. Cause I just love You that. saw it tonight. You saw it tonight, yeah. coach, when you run that Denver action, uh, I, Jenny's still in here. No, she went to bed, I think, at 10.55. But for the terminology, when they run that cross screen, you've got to guard McKenzie. So now your cross screen principles are being applied. Then you have a shooter going up to the top off of a straight pin down. So that screen to screener action is so good. And sometimes you can run it backwards. You can run a back screen, screen to screener with a curl. But you, But even if you don't get that, the defense has got to move, and they're wondering, here's our principles on McKenzie. Here's our principles on Sarah. Here's our principles on Sydney. But I'm moving, and if you have a half a second delay as a defender, and now Sydney gets that ball, and you fly at her, now she's going to drive, then the help comes, and then McKenzie finds the hole, as you talked about, and then we yeah. drop a drop pass in. Um, movement makes the defense stress. We You stand, the defense knows where you're going to be. You still may score, but – that's just a, I, I will not move off of that uh, for yeah. any level, uh, NBA or whatever. You've got to make the defense stressed, and you do that by making them move and not sure where players are going to be is the best way to attack defenses at any level. And maybe I'm just too old. I don't know. But tonight, <laughs> I, tonight they did that. Yeah. The women did that tonight, and that's why yeah. they were successful. I was a, we really like to run some floppy action. I, I loved floppy action Love for my shooters, but I, we ran a version. We didn't refer to it as a Denver screen. We just called it a cross screen. We, you know, I was not, I was not a rocket scientist. When we came to coach. I was, I, I was under the old kiss principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. But we, we would run that version of that where we put our best shooter as our screener for our best post player. Cause now, okay, well, if you want to yep. switch, if you're going to switch it, we're going to get a mismatch there. And if you're going to try and fight through it, then we'd set elevator screen. So not just a pin down, we yep. run an elevator screen at the free throw line and try to get them open for that shot at the top of the key. 
Yeah. So, so hey, coach, you probably I, said I, illegal I, screens. You yeah. probably said illegal screens closing that elevator that I would yell at if I were coaching against you. I'd get on the officials. That's an illegal screen because they're moving. <laughs> yeah, we all do, but we still run it. You know. So, but I would have. Hey, I this is this is thing. fun. I, yeah, it is. But, but we I gotta. Yeah, we got to get you out of go here. To you bed got work if... to do and go to bed. So I appreciate no, you I, being I, here. See you, Coach. No problem. See you. Good night, everybody.